Easter Heart Church. Oh, we're so excited for this opportunity to be with here with you on this Easter 2020. And uh, I'm with my friends. I got Mike over here and Adam and Crystal. And I can't wait for us to start in on worship. And we are live. This is live. This is not pre-recorded. So we encourage you like we have been over the last couple of weeks. You guys have been so good to just, you know, really use that comment section to post prayer requests and connect with one another. Man, let's be a community just as if we're right here in this building. There's just a few of us here uh, for this recording. But man, we just prayed. And we prayed that the presence of God right wherever you're at, would enter your living room, your bedroom, wherever you're watching this on that TV screen or on that uh, computer screen. And then it would just, the, the presence of God would permeate through this technology to where you are on this Easter. I don't think anybody, any of us really thought that we'd be in this kind of scenario on Easter. And yet Jesus isn't caught by surprise. And he can do in a moment what we couldn't do in a lifetime. So I'm going to pray for you. And like I said, please lean in for all 45 minutes of this service. Lean in because we believe that Jesus is on the move in his church. He's on the move in your life. And this is Resurrection Sunday. Come on, will you pray with me? Father God, we just come to you with open hearts. God, we come to you in need, God, of a fresh word. Jesus, our faith is elevated. We believe that you are still alive, still doing miracles today. And so, Father, we set aside distractions on this special day where we celebrate resurrection Jesus. But God, we thank you that it wasn't just something that happened 2,000 years ago, but it's something that's still happening in our hearts today. This is what we believe. This is our declaration. And God, I pray for any person, any family member, any son or daughter, Lord, that's in need of hope today. God, I pray that that would come screaming through this screen, that you are alive and well and doing wonders among us. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen and amen. Come on, let's worship.
For worshiping with us this morning. Um, I just want to invite you to watch our Easter video. Yes, Jesus Christ is alive. He rose from the dead, and that day, that Easter Sunday morning, that first Easter, when Mary and Mary Magdalene and Salome went to the grave expecting to anoint a dead body. They saw the angel sitting there. And they said, where is Jesus? The angel said, he is not here, he is risen. I submit to you tonight that that's the greatest news the world has ever heard. He is not here. He has conquered the grave. He's alive. And ladies and gentlemen, I believe that there's more proof that Jesus Christ rose from the dead than almost any other fact in Roman history. I don't believe there's a fact in ancient history today so well proven as the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But even if there was no proof, no historical proof, no scientific proof, and there is, I would still believe it 
because I believe this book is God's inspired word. And the whole early church went up and down the country preaching the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That was the thing that shook the Roman Empire. That a man had risen from the dead. That he was alive. That death could not hold him. Christ is alive. He's a living Savior. Oh my gosh. Easter Sunday is here. I just want to give a big shout out to our team that's just been working hard to make this happen. And for our worship team, you guys are incredible. Uh, I just love to worship Jesus with Heart Church. Uh, I want to welcome those who are visiting from other states, other places. Thank you so much for coming and joining us. I want to welcome guests and visitors. This is a time when Friends and family would typically be gathered in church buildings across the nation, and it's a very special time. And so I want to recognize, though uh, people are not gathering, uh, you are gathering online. And so if you're visiting Heart Church, I just want to say welcome. My name is Shane Rogers, and my wife Heather and I get to be the lead church pastors of Heart Church. It's a church we planted. Actually, um, two years ago, we had our official launch as a team in a house on Easter Sunday. I'll never forget it. And it was in the Goodman's home. Thank you guys so much if you're watching for the time we spent with you in your home and we launched it on Easter Sunday. And so that was two years ago. Easter is a very special time. And so I want to open up to uh, Matthew chapter 28 and, and my scriptures will be up on the screen. I believe that I have a message of hope. If, uh, if you're needing that right now, then you tuned in to the right Facebook channel. These are strange and unprecedented times that we live. And yet Jesus is right in the middle of it and he has a message for us. And so Matthew chapter 28, and we're gonna read just six verses. And it says this, now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene, And the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. I think that's just like a cool visual. This epic angel comes, there's there's an earthquake and then the angel just sits on the the, uh, stone that he just rolled away like, what's up? Okay, Uh, verse three, his appearance was like, lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for the fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the woman, do not be afraid for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified, but he's not here. He has risen just as he said, come See the place where he lay. He is risen just as he said. This is Easter Sunday and this is what we celebrate. And if you're not real familiar with Christianity, we believe that over the course of the weekend, 2000 years ago, Jesus was crucified on Friday night. It was the darkest day in history. On Saturday, he was in the grave. And on Sunday, he rose Again, and that is on this day that we celebrate this. And so it's with that that I'd like to say a quick prayer over the word and over our ears that we would hear. Jesus, I ask right now that you would quicken our ears to hear something of you and not of me. God, I'm a, I'm a, a frail human being trying to communicate your eternal living word. And so Holy Spirit, we're asking right now in the middle of, all of the things going on in our life that we would pause long enough, just long enough to hear a life-giving word from you. And I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. I always find these three days sort of epic because of what we believe. And oftentimes we'll watch the passion of the Christ on Friday and think on Jesus's death. And just those progression of days are always significant for us. And I don't know about you, but I always find that weather plays an, an, an interesting part in just making things a little bit more epic. Uh, we live in San Diego. And so, you know, um, typically we have sunshine, but every, every once in a while we'll get a storm. 
And so when the sun is out, things just feel more cheery and hopeful, the, the blue sky and all those things. And then when it's raining, especially in San Diego, because we don't get it all that much, it just feels a little bit darker, a little bit more epic. And so I remember on Thursday night, I was going to bed and I was kind of thinking on, on Friday, Good Friday, uh, and what, what might take place. See, on Thursday, Jesus met with his disciples in the upper room. And you remember uh, in uh, John chapter uh, 12, where he washes the disciples' feet and, um, and, and, and those, those are the things that transpired, John chapter 13. And then 14, 15, 16 is where Jesus gives his commands and, and, and preaches this amazing message to his disciples and then goes to the garden. So then on Friday is when Jesus was ultimately crucified. And so it's a special day, but it's a dark day. So I woke up this Friday and if you're here in San Diego, you'll know that, that we've had a pretty gnarly storm and it was dumping all Thursday night. I woke up Friday morning and I looked out my backyard and we have a pool and then basically the rest of our backyard is just concrete. And we have a drainage system, but sometimes when it rains really hard, it gets a little overrun. Well, I woke up to um, not a pool on a patio, but just one pool. The water had risen to the level where it was over our pool and now it was spilling onto our patio and it was just inches away from starting to come into our house. And so I, I had a meeting that I was gonna come and help set some of this stuff up at 9.30 on Friday morning. And I called and said, hey, I'm gonna be late because we have a crisis on our hands. And so uh, I'm literally like, I'm in my sweatpants and a sweatshirt and I just run outside, grab a bloom, broom, and I start brooming the water off of our patio into our flower beds just to try to give the, the drainage some relief, only to notice that because it's raining so hard that uh, our, our pool's just, it's full and the water, I'm not getting anywhere. And so I finally realized like, okay, I got to do something besides this. So I thought, siphon, that's what I need to do. I need to start siphoning water out of the pool. So I go get my garden hose. Listen, those of you who know me know that I'm not overly um, uh, handyman person. I do my best. But in fact, in our relationship, in Heather and I's relationship, Heather's more handy, but she was still sleeping because I had gotten up early because uh, I had some things to do. So nevertheless, I'm outside and I'm trying to figure out how do you siphon out of a pool with, with a garden hose. Now you're probably thinking, well, that's easy, Shane. I, I know how to do that. Well, it's not easy to me. So I went to what every handyman does. I, I went to Google and I went ahead and Googled, how do you siphon? Figured it out. Went to my front yard, got my garden hose and, and, I, and I figured it out. And I went and put the garden hose in and then I put the other side on the other side of, of the yard, hoping it was gonna siphon. Nothing, no siphon, no water coming out. So at this point, Heather comes out and she's in her pajamas and she's like, what are you doing? Meanwhile, it's pouring, it's dumping. And when it rains in San Diego, it dumps. So I'm outside, it's dumping. I'm trying to get the stupid garden hose to siphon water out of the pool. So Heather goes, oh yeah, I know how to siphon. Well, of course you do, Heather, of course. Okay, I get it. <laughs> uh, how do you do it? She said, well, you gotta, you gotta take one end and put it in the pool and the other end, you just gotta suck on it really hard until the water comes out. I'm like, oh, of course, that's what we're gonna do. So, so I, I get the other side of the, the stupid hose and now I'm, I'm literally kneeling down in my front yard. I'm soaking, I mean, I am soaking wet. I've got one end of the stupid garden hose and I'm sucking on it as hard as I can. I almost passed out. Sucking on it, finally, a little bit of water. I'm like, yes, success. And I let go, and it's like this tiny little trickle. So I suck, Heather's like, you just gotta suck harder. I'm sucking on this stupid hose. And, and finally, it gets like a tiny little trickle. And Heather's like, yeah, the, the hose is probably too long. That's probably all you're gonna get. And I'm thinking, water's about to come into our house. We have a giant lake in our backyard and I have this little trickle of a stupid garden hose. I'm thinking this is not gonna work. I finally break down, go to Lowe's, spent $250 and I bought me a pump. And we started pumping water out of our pool into our front yard. And finally we started making some headway. And thankfully I'm here to tell you on Easter Sunday, that uh, there was no water in our house because of the pump, because the siphon didn't work. My gosh. Friday can be dark, I'll tell you what. And it was interesting, like all day, all day, I was just like feeling this heavy, 
It's raining. I, I, like, I was so cold and I was running around getting stuff done. I went into Lowe's and I had like the mask and the gloves and, you know, just epic. And I'll never forget waking up on Saturday morning. And I didn't check the weather. I was just thinking this is going to be an epic weekend. And I woke up Saturday morning and I went outside to check the pump and check the pool. And I'll never forget the sound of the birds chirping. I looked up and there was blue sky. The storm hadn't gone permanently, but it it broke. And the birds were chirping. And it was just this moment where I looked around. Everything's green. My pool's down. Stuff had kind of dried off. I go out to my front yard. And it's just like beautiful. And I just felt like the Lord whispered to me this reminder that like, no matter how dark things get, no matter how epic things feel in the moment, sometimes, sometimes it gets darkest right before sunrise, right before a turn, right before a resurrection. And I just felt like Jesus was like reminding me, Easter's coming, Easter's coming. And, and I don't know if that encourages you today, but I feel like sometimes the Lord uses things as signs to speak to me. And I have a question as I've been thinking about that. If there was a God in heaven, and I don't want to suppose that everybody's watching believes that there is, and maybe you're in between, and maybe you're like, I don't know, and in light of the coronavirus, like what kind of God would let that happen? So I'm sort of doubting. But I want to ask you a question. If there was a God in heaven and he was trying to communicate to you, he was trying to reach you, would he be able to and could you hear him? Uh, if you were with us a year ago, last Easter, I introduced uh, one of my favorite analogies, illustrations that I found. Um, and I want to I reintroduce that for a moment. And, um, and it's the Voyager. Uh, in 1977, uh, mankind released uh, a spacecraft that's about the size of a Volkswagen bug into the atmosphere. And you'll see a picture up on your screen. And, and this, the, the whole point in this was that Jimmy Carter, who was the president, wanted to send a message to any potential life forms out there about Earth, about who we are. And it sl- literally slung shot around every planet until it got into our outer atmosphere. And I didn't show this last time, but I found this picture because this is a famous picture that the Voyager took one last time as it was peering back towards earth and it it was literally 400 billion miles away. It took this picture and it'll be up on your screen, but it's called the pale blue dot. And this picture you're looking at is the image that the Voyager took looking back on earth from that many miles away. And the next picture is there's, there's a little circle that indicates what that dot is that dot is earth. And I just thought, thought in a time like this where things feel epic, I feel like we're living in the twilight zone with everything going on. You go to the grocery store and they're letting you in two by two with masks and gloves and hazmat suits and it just feels sci-fi. And I just think it's good to step back for a moment and realize how big our universe and world really is and how small we are. And the Bible says that God holds all of it in the palm of his hand. He slung the stars into the universe. There was one simple, um, simple flaw though in the Voyager. Now the Voyager is still flying out in the outer atmosphere, but there was one, one flaw because the, the purpose of the Voyager was that that we would be able to communicate. We would be able to communicate who we are and our heartbeat. And if there was aliens out there that they would get this Voyager and that they would somehow understand through what we sent about us, about earth. And the way they communicated was a golden record. And you'll see the screen up there, super fascinating. They actually fastened this golden record to the Voyager. And on this record, they put all kinds of things. They put albums, they put pictures, they put a letter from Jimmy Carter, basically trying to communicate. And this is what the record was intended to communicate, was a story of the world. 
and of humans on earth, a token of our sounds, our science, our music, and our thoughts and feelings. But this was the flaw. The flaw is that we realize that a message without the person is incomplete and open to interpretation. So it it was simply just a message. There was no person. Obviously, it wasn't a manned aircraft. And this was, you know, a a long, long time ago. And it's still floating out there. But it it was lifeless. It was just simply some tokens of our imagery. And yet we know how easy it is to misinterpret information when it's just a message without the person. I was thinking about being in quarantine and how easy it is and how much we can relate with this because we can't have a lot of face-to-face. In fact, even when we are face-to-face, we have masks on. So, you know, they say that 90% of all communication is nonverbal. And so it's difficult to, to express how you feel. How many times have you got an email and uh, you misread it because they said something and didn't put an emoji after it and didn't put a smiley face. And so you thought that they were mad. And in fact, they were celebrating you, but because of the way they word it, you get all frustrated. How many times has that happened over a text message? It's so easy to misinterpret a message without the person. And I think if we're honest, God has been trying to send a message since the beginning and we have misunderstood him. He has been misconstrued and misrepresented often. The Garden of Eden started and the enemy came to Eve and said, listen, if God was really loving, like if if he was really for you, then then he would let you eat from any of the trees. In fact, he's trying to hold you back and that tree is going to make you wise and that's why God doesn't want you to eat it. See, misconstruing and and interpreting the message differently about who God is. We see it with the the children of Israel. God sends a, uh, a, a savior in Moses and delivers them out of Egypt and they're wandering through the desert and God is doing all kinds of things to try and communicate to them and yet they are desperately complaining and they have arrived at the conclusion that God is not love. See, over and over we judge the creator based on fallen creation. And it's kind of a theme throughout the Bible that, that the, cre- the creation, we judge the creator based on our world around us. And when our world is fallen and our world is painful, when we are in suffering, then we attribute that to that's must, that must be who God is. And so, and so God in his love sent a voyager, didn't he? He sent his son, Jesus Christ, so that we might see him and touch him and behold him and know who he is, who he really is, what he sounds like. And if And if he could communicate in a record, a sound of heaven record, he would say that this record was intended to communicate the story of heaven and of God and of angels, a token of our sounds, our science, our music, our thoughts, our feelings, and our love. That's what Jesus was meant to do. He came to communicate his love. And so, Jesus came with a message, super simple. Jesus came with a message and that is this. I am love and I am enough. This is a really important statement on this Easter Sunday is that Jesus, the voyager that God sent to earth to communicate to you and me and that message was so simple. I am love and I am enough. Nothing more, nothing less. You see it with Jesus, with the woman at the well. Jesus encounters her and just by being there and talking to her, he's communicating love because she was a Samaritan, but she had all kinds of dilemmas. She had all kinds of problems and she came drawing water. And Jesus says to her that if you knew who I am, if you knew who I was, then you would ask for a drink and I would give you one and you would never thirst. Again, see, not only do I love you, but I am enough. You would not thirst if you received who I am because whatever you're going through, I am 
enough. John chapter 17, verse 23 sums up Jesus's prayer to the Father. This is right before he is crucified and Jesus is praying to the Father. And this is one of his prayers to the Father. That the world will know that you sent me as a voyager into the world and that you love them as much as you love me. This was Jesus's prayer. That they would know you sent me and that they would know you love them as much as you love me. Why? Because the message was clear. God is love and his love is enough. Jesus was sent into a dark, evil full world full of suffering. The, the, the landscape that Jesus was sent into was evil. It was cruel. It was the Roman Empire. I mean, the, the, um, everything was domineering and dark. This was the world that Jesus went into. And it's why the disciples and everybody else hoped that Jesus was actually going to come and save them physically, roll into Jerusalem and take over because it was so dark and so oppressive. And yet, never once was the message of Jesus, I've come to end suffering. Never once did Jesus say, I'm here to make the world perfect and pain-free, and suffering-free. In fact, Jesus said the opposite. He said, in this world, in this life, in this temporary life, you will have trouble. And yet, be of good cheer. Why? Why? Not only because I am love, but because I am enough. I have overcome the world, so I am Enough. See, when Jesus was at the woman at the well, he wasn't offering her an exchange so that she, all of her circumstances, she's been with six different husbands and, and her life is a disaster. And he wasn't offering her a perfect life. He was offering her himself. If you accept me, I'm enough. You won't thirst anymore. See, in the midst of pain and sorrow, he is love and he is enough. John chapter 11, verse 33 is this beautiful picture. Uh, and I know I'm bouncing around, but I just want you to follow me because I'm creating a narrative about Jesus and about our world and about the message that he actually came to send so that we wouldn't make the mistake that generations before us have made, that when we look at the world, when we look at a fallen planet, and we say, wow, there's a lot of pain down here. So God, if there is a God, you must be really judgmental, and you must be really angry. And maybe all of these billions of years that you've been alive, man, have just been a bummer for you, and so you're taking it out on us. We judge the creator based on creation, and Jesus is saying, no, don't make that mistake, because I am Love and I am enough. And so when we see Jesus in John chapter 11, verse 33, it says Jesus was greatly troubled. What was he troubled about? Well, he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead and everybody around, Mary and Martha and the people that he loved were, were grieving. They were weeping. They were crying because Lazarus had already been dead for four days. And they were like, Jesus, why couldn't you have come? You could have healed him, but now it's done. And so they were so sorrowful. And it's actually the place where it says that Jesus wept. But before that, it says that he was gr deeply grieved in his spirit. And if you look into the language of that, what it was actually saying was that Jesus was disturbed and frustrated. But he wasn't frustrated at anybody. And he wasn't even frustrating at the mourning process. The language infers that he was frustrated at death. He was frustrated at the pain and sorrow that this fallen world brings on the object of his affection. And so he showed up, this voyager, not just to communicate, but to step into our pain and our sorrow. And he did so at such a level that he was physically grieved at the way that this world affects humanity. It says in Isaiah as a prophecy about Jesus, in Isaiah chapter 53, surely he took our sorrow and he bore our suffering. See, he didn't just take our sin. It's this grief and this sorrow that he bore because he knew firsthand how difficult it was. 
We don't live with an absentee God or a distant God. We live with a God that came near, walked among us, and then did something about it by conquering sin, hell, and the grave. This is the God that we serve. And so we just started out our message by simply saying that there is a message. And this message is simple. God is love and he is enough. So in the midst of this time, I mean, we're contending for a loved one right now who's in the hospital and he's been fighting for his life and many of you, of you have been praying for him. And in this time, we know that God is love and he is enough. I don't need to look anywhere else to find what I need for my soul, for my mind, for my heart, for my circumstances. Jesus gives us himself on this Easter Sunday. He's enough. The second idea, and this is kind of where we're going to land the plane on this Easter Sunday, there's a message that Jesus came to bring, and it's that he's love and that he's enough. But see, it didn't end there. Jesus didn't just carry a message. He wasn't just handing, handing us an album or a CD and saying, look at these pictures and look at these, you know, listen to these sounds, and this is kind of idea of who we are. He actually came with a message and a mission. Jesus came with a mission. And you know what this mission was? To do for us what we could never do for ourselves. To do for us what we could never do for ourselves. See, our world is broken. We know that. I mean, look around. Listen, God did not cause this pandemic. We live in a broken, fallen world. But Jesus, he came to do something that you and I could never do, not just for a fallen world, but you and I are broken as well. We live in a broken world, but we are broken people. All have sinned and all have fallen short of the glory of God. And so Jesus came and he said, listen, not only do you live in a fallen and broken world, but you're broken and you're fallen because you are born into this. And so we are all sinful. We have all gone wayward. And so Jesus said, not only did I come to communicate who I am and give you who I am, but I came to do something about what you could never do for yourself some would call it a sin problem. And I think we have a sin problem. I think we're sinners and I think that we sin. And I always used to th think that that was it. And it was always a little bit shallow for me because I always used to look at Easter and think about the cross and think about the sin, my sins that were paid for through the blood of Jesus, which is true. But the story doesn't stop there. And the miracle isn't, it doesn't find its impetus in that. See, Jesus and our message with Christianity is not so much about the cross. That was a means to an end. And what Jesus accomplished on that cross is significant. But without the grave, without the empty tomb, without the resurrection, there is no Christianity because there is no brand new life. See, we don't just have a sin problem. We have an identity problem, don't we? Because we don't just sin, we are sinners. And so I think we have a shame problem. Shame is an interesting thing. See, Satan didn't come to Adam and Eve just to distort their view of God or even to get them to make a mistake. Satan came to change their view of themselves changed their identity. The, the, the garden was described as they were naked and unashamed. And then after sin, they hid themselves in shame because of who they now have become. See, you and I, our dilemma, the thing that we could never fix for ourselves, is that we are sinners and we constantly and will always carry around the reality of the things that we've done. See, I can accept Jesus and that he paid for my sins. But over here, I know who I really am and who I really am to the core. My flesh is a sinner and Jesus came to take care of that. Hebrews chapter 12, verse two says this, looking unto Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising its shame. It literally says that Jesus on the cross 
despised the shame. It's interesting. Why? Because of what shame is. See, guilt says I feel guilty for what I did and I'm sorry I made a mistake. Listen to what shame says. Shame is different. Shame says I feel ashamed at who I am and I'm sorry I am a mistake. How many of you out there on this Easter Sunday would love to celebrate and see all the wonderful colors? And I tried to make things more colorful, even with this tie. And we all try to rally our emotions and get excited about what Jesus did. But at the end of the day, when you look in the mirror, you are still faced with a very simple reality. Whatever happened on the cross and whatever message Jesus came to give, at the end of the day, I am still a failure because I'm not perfect. I have failed. I have done wrong. And for the rest of my life, I could try to work to try to make up for all the wrong, but I still have done those things. And so they haunt me. Do they haunt you? The wrong and the sin lurking inside of me. This is shame. Shame says, I am a mistake. I am shameful. And ultimately what shameful is, what shame is, is the fear of not being worthy of love and connection. Not being worthy of love and connection. So God came and sent Jesus and said, I am love and I am enough. And now he came and said, I came to do for you what you cannot do for yourself. And that is change who you are. See, Jesus didn't just come to do something for you. He came to change you. You were dead and now you are alive. That's what the grave represents is that we literally walk into the tomb with him. We are buried with him in Christ. And when, when we raise to life, the shame is gone because we're not the same people anymore. And man, maybe that sounds basic and maybe that sounds elementary and maybe that sounds what you learned in, in Sunday school. But I'm telling you, when you look at your in the mirror and you see who you really are. The grave and Easter Sunday and resurrection means you are a different person and that new person is flawless before God. This is good news because otherwise we're forced to do something to remedy the problem. And so what do we do? We work really hard. And some of you, I think, are, are in this situation where you work really hard. You've been working really hard. And maybe Easter is typically the place that you come once a year to you come to church. And that's your way of working at, I got to be better. I got to get better. I got to do better. And maybe this is your New Year's resolution. I got to get back into church, even if it's online. And so you work at it and you work at it. And it reminds me of somebody in the pouring down rain, sucking on a stupid garden hose, trying to siphon water out of the lake that I have in my backyard, only seeing a tiny little trickle. And can I tell you what your good works are in comparison to the ocean of sin that you and I have to deal with, and yet we get that hose, don't we? And we suck on that, and we suck on that, and we siphon, and we siphon, just trying desperately to make a dent at the real us, at the shame that we feel, at the guilt. I just need to do a little bit better. I just got to get in church more and do some more good things. And what Jesus said is, listen, I came to do what you could never do for yourself. I'm going to land on this scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. And this is the most profound scripture on Easter Sunday. And it says, For he made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to become sin for us, to be sin, become sin on the cross, boring the shame, that we might become the righteousness of God in him, that we might become something different. I want to encourage you today. You don't belong in that tomb. Some of you are still in the tomb. Some of you, maybe you've accepted Jesus. Maybe you've accepted his sacrifice, but you haven't accepted your new identity. And so you're in grave clothes, fully alive, still in the tomb, not accepting your new real identity. And I'm here to tell you that Jesus bore your sin, became your sin on the cross. And now you are somebody different. 
Turn to your brother, your sister, somebody that's there, even your dog, and say, I'm new. I'm different. When I come out of the grave, I'm not the same person. And so that's what Resurrection Sunday represents. Not only do we serve a God that's love, and then our God is all that we need. He is enough in this time. But we serve a God that came out of the grave and invites us to come out of the grave, to come out of the grave of shame, come out of the grave of condemnation, come out of, out of that grave of addiction, come out of that grave of sorrow. He, Jesus himself is calling you out to be brand new. This is Easter. His resurrection is our resurrection too. His resurrection is your resurrection. Will you pray with me? Will you bow your heads wherever you are? Jesus, I pray this morning, even through this Facebook Live, that your message would be clear. You are love and you are enough. And that love didn't just stop at weeping in front of the grave of Lazarus. That love was demonstrated on the cross where you said it is finished, where you conquered sin, hell, and the grave. And then on the third day, on Sunday, on this day, you rose out of that grave, inviting us to a resurrection story too. And so I want to ask you, mother, father, son, daughter, Husband, wife, as you're sitting there with your eyes closed, is this your moment? Is this your resurrection moment? I want to invite you to say this sinner's prayer. And this prayer is simply appropriating what I just described so that when you open your eyes, you have not just had your faults and your failures taken away by the blood of Jesus, but there's been something new inside of you that takes place that makes you brand new as you come out of that tomb wearing the robe of righteousness instead of the robe of shame. And so will you say this prayer with me? Say, Lord Jesus, I am a sinner in need of a savior. I'm asking you now, come into my heart. Jesus, I make you Lord and savior from this moment on. I will serve you now. I receive your love. I am a brand new person in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. Have an amazing rest of your Easter and we'll see you next week right here on Facebook Live.